You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From March 15th, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. This week, you may have seen a post that I put on Facebook. I'll read it to you now. Today, I was driving when an ambulance came speeding up from behind, siren blaring and lights flashing. I pulled my car over, and I stopped, as did the other drivers in order to allow the ambulance to pass unhindered. Now, I didn't stop or inconvenience myself for my own health. I stopped for the health of the one being tended by the EMTs. And that's what healthy folks are being asked to do during this pandemic. On a large scale, we pull over. We stop our progress. We do this for the benefit of the vulnerable among us and for the healthcare workers who care for them. Now, those of us who aren't considered senior adults and who aren't dealing with medical issues that place us at a greater risk of complications from COVID-19, we must be ready to stop our lives, our normal lives, for a while. And we do this out of compassion. We are or will soon be asked to make changes, and we will do so for the greater good. Stay safe, friends. Be well. Take care of each other. And if you need to pull over for a little while, get the well-deserved rest you need. Heart emoji, namaste emoji, sunglasses emoji. Now, I posted that on Wednesday, and within 48 hours, it had over 1,000 likes and 2,000 shares. A local newspaper in Arizona picked it up, put it in an editorial for their local newspaper. So, I don't have a big Facebook following, but what this tells me is that this message of pulling over, letting the ambulance pass us by, that it somehow resonated with people, that maybe it helped them make just a little bit more sense of why healthy people are stopping our normal lives, of why we're taking a break, hitting the pause button, so that the ambulance can just pass us by. Now, we don't like canceling things. We don't like canceling church. This has been a hard week for me as we considered what to do, and it breaks my heart that we're not all gathered here together hugging and being church. But I also consider that there are some who this is their, this is their primary social outlet, and without gathering together, I worry about social isolation. And for some, coming to church on a Sunday morning is their, is their primary way to seek solace. And by not meeting, I worried about creating more anxiety at a time that we don't need any more anxiety. But when the board decided to make the call, I was a bit relieved because I would rather figure out how to forego the social isolation and the anxiety just so that we make sure 
that we don't do our, anything to contribute to community spread. So we cancel worship to love our neighbor, to do our part. Social distancing is no fun. Just ask the woman at the well. This story that we read in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, we, we find this woman going to the well at midday. And that's a little bit unusual because women would usually go in the morning before the heat of the day. They would take that, they would do their chore, gather up their water, they would interact with one another. It was a community thing. The women would gather, they would talk, they would gossip. It was, it was a chance for the women to come together before they started their day's work. But this woman... For some reason, we don't know why, she was at the well by herself. She was alone. Now, we don't know why exactly. Maybe she had the coronavirus. Or maybe she was there because she had been shunned. We discover that she's had five husbands. One is enough for me. The man that she lives with now is not even her husband. We don't know what's happened. Have they died? Has she been divorced? It wouldn't have been her choice if she had been divorced. Women in that day were property. Had she been divorced because she was infertile? Childbearing was the purpose for a woman back then. She couldn't have children. You, she might be divorced. So why was it that she had been married five times? There's a story there. We don't know it. But is that why she was alone at the well? Had she been shunned? We don't know why she was at the well by herself, but we do know this, that being alone at the well gave her the opportunity to encounter the Lord in a way no one else had encountered the Lord. Let's read her story. It's one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. I love the story of the woman at the well. It's a long one. I hope you're comfortable there in your couch at home. John chapter 4, beginning with verse 5. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. And it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this well will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water 
so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Now go call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Now, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. And God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, Now, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Well, just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He can't be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city, and they were on their way to him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. And Jesus said to them, Well, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more and then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. And I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Well, many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Thanks be to God for the reading of God's word. Now, that story, we, we read about an amazing encounter that this woman had with the Lord. And this, this is why, I think, she was at the well alone. Now, Jesus wasn't supposed to be talking to her a woman, and Jesus wasn't supposed to be talking to her a Samaritan. 
But Jesus broke both rules. He broke them. I love that about Jesus, the rule breaker. He shattered the rules, and he also broke through her defenses. He named the thing in her life from which she felt the most shame. He just named it. And she owned it. She didn't lie about it. But did you notice how she changed the subject really quickly? She, she deflected. She said, oh, yes, that's true. But hey, uh, here's the hot topic of the day, the big political debate. We say we're supposed to worship here. You say you're supposed to worship over there. Which one's right? You see how she did that? Getting a little too personal here. So dodge, deflect, politics. So Jesus did what Jesus often does dismisses the binary and points them toward a higher way. And he said, it's not, it's not really either. Those who worship the Lord will worship in spirit and in truth. And then there's a twist to this story. The woman had been a bit vulnerable with him, naming her deepest shame, admitting to the five husbands and man she now lives with. And then Jesus becomes vulnerable with her. Did you know that this unnamed woman at the well is the first person in the Gospel of John to whom Jesus reveals his true identity as the Messiah? She's the first one. And not only that, she goes from there and she tells her whole town. She becomes the first evangelist in the Gospel of John. And although we don't know her name, the scripture doesn't say, in some Christian traditions, Eastern Christian traditions, they have given her a name, and the name is beautiful, Photina. Root word, photon, the luminous one. She took the light that had been given to her and shined it into her whole town, and many believed, the first evangelist. Why? because she came to the well alone. Now, we don't like this social distancing that has been put upon us. We don't like the fact that spring training has been canceled. We don't like the fact that March Madness has been canceled and the Masters has been canceled. We don't like that Disney World is shut down or that college kids have been sent packing without very much notice. And believe you me, we sure don't like that school has been canceled for two weeks. Two weeks, and you people have hoarded all the toilet paper. Two weeks, I'm at home with my kids. <laughs> Two weeks. We don't like this social distancing. But back to my premise. Maybe there's a gift inherent in the social distancing. Maybe that by stepping away from casual encounters, by breaking away from the crowd for just a little bit, whether we want to or not, that it gives us an opportunity to go to the well, to draw from the waters, to drink of the living waters that spring up. Wells are usually made by some lake or some stream that flows underground unseen, just like the unseen presence of God in our lives.
When we go to the well, we tap into that presence that it might spring forth into living waters. That's the gift we can experience in these next few days and weeks. Let's stop there. You see, being alone does not mean that we have to be lonely. In fact, being alone can open up the opportunity for us to find solitude, which is a pathway to experiencing the deep and abiding presence of God. Like that underground stream, God's presence is there. Underneath the busyness, underneath the compulsions that many of us are being forced to relinquish. And so we go to the well alone, and there God's presence is revealed. So my hope during these next few days and weeks, as we pull over and let the ambulance go by, that we can stop and experience that living water that Jesus came to offer. My hope is that we can claim the Sabbath that many of us have ignored for far too long. Discover the presence of God as we stop and as we pull over and drink of that delicious living water. I close today with a prayer that was shared with me by Kay Sheridan written by a poet and a pastor named Lynn Unger. The poem is written recently, March the 11th. The title of the poem is Pandemic. What if you thought of it as the Jews consider the Sabbath, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel, cease from buying and selling, give up just for now, on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has come clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love for better or for worse, in sickness and in health so long as we all shall live. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.